One could say in healthcare that when it comes to innovation and product development, coming up with the idea for an innovative medical device is probably the easy part. The steps then to get the idea out of your head and into the lab or to be manufactured and funded or coded and regulated, commercialized, and then actually used by clinicians and patients, that's the important part, the build and the execution side. It's a tricky one to navigate, not just because it's a complicated landscape, but it can be expensive at every step of the way, so you probably don't want to mess it up. So having someone who's done it many times before in your corner is probably sage advice. Well, one of the companies who have had plenty of experience and expertise to help create medical technology and instrumentation that meets even the most rigorous medical standards is Procept. And in this conversation today, from within the offices of Procept, I'm joined by Adrian Crouch, their co-founder and CTO. And in this episode, we talk about product development in medtech, raising funds to build a product, all about compliance, and a lot more too. Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Oh, let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Adrian Crouch, co-founder of Procept, who are helping medtech clients develop new tech, specializing in class one and class two medical devices. Adrian, how are you going? I'm good, Pete. Thanks. It's good to have a chat. It's good to be in your office. That's yeah, a, it's welcome. A, a nice it's great video. that we're allowed to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. So enjoying it here in Melbourne and already had a bit of a look around looking forward to speak with you today on the pod. But for those that don't know you, tell us a bit more about you and your background, please. So I co-founded Procept back in 2006. Before that, I worked for Ericsson for quite a few years, which was who I joined out of university. And uh, during my time there, basically had a passion for product development and a company like Ericsson eventually kind of wound that down, at least in Australia. If uh, I wanted to keep doing that for Ericsson, I would have had to go somewhere cold like Sweden and decided I didn't want to do that. So decided... It doesn't have that lovely one, uh, Melbourne weather that they, uh, they have. <laughs> yeah. Summers are okay over there. Winter's not so much. Yeah, right, right. But long story short, had a passion for product development and wanted to continue that. Aaron Ma and I co-founded Procept at that point in time because we had a common passion and decided to basically go out on our own, do some product development and offer that as a design service to the market here. Yeah, cool. I want to learn a bit more about that then. So product design and things you do, is it just healthcare, many industries? Talk to me about it. So when we started back in 2006, I think kind of the initial work that we did was primarily in mining and some industrial type of products that we were involved with. But over the years, we've done med tech, mining instrumentation, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. consumer products, a lot of industrial and med tech obviously is pretty significant for us. And yeah. more recently, of course, that's been a big focus in terms of what we do. Got you. And so your role within that, you're creating devices and then doing the commercializing part or you're helping clients build them? How does it work? Sure. So basically it really starts, like you mentioned in your intro with the idea, and we basically will work with a client to take mm. that idea and take it right through to reality. So that includes kind of the initial engagement with them in terms of requirements and understanding what their business opportunity is, translating that into an actual design for a physical product Mm. and perhaps some virtual parts of the product, applications and the like. Then we go through and support the compliance side of things and actually getting the product compliant and tested against the relevant standards, which is obviously pretty significant in the medtech space in particular. 
and then we support them going into manufacturing. So we'll work with contract manufacturer to actually get it into production and mm. basically so that it's in production and on the shelves, if you like, depending yeah. on the nature of the product. And so who's the typical client for you? Is it early stage startups? Is it clinicians with a crazy idea they thought of over the weekend? Larger organizations? What does it look like? I'd probably say that there is no such thing as a typical client. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the common thing is usually this vision or idea mm. and an opportunity usually is associated with that, right? And then they will take various different forms. So it ranges from, you know, a corporate organization that may or may not have had a history in product development yeah. and be looking for a product development partner, either because they've got a development team and they have no capacity or mm. they have no development team and they're looking for one. Sometimes they may have a development team, but it just doesn't have the right expertise. Mm. But then when you look at the other end of the spectrum, of course, it can be complete startups, right? It can be an individual who's got this idea and is really just looking to turn it into reality, right? Yeah. And, and they need help to make it happen. They may or may not have ever done it before. Mm. We've certainly had quite a few cases where people have made a start and then they're looking for extra help to go the next step, right, mm. as well. So it's quite common for them to come to us, a client to come to us with a prototype of some description and basically say, how do I turn this from what is really just a one-off into something that's actually in production? Yeah. It sounds like the kind of model too that could work for an organisation if they were looking to, you know, for want of a better term, outsource a component of the work or it could be also for those that, you know, want to be taught how to fish and then sure. are able to then, you know, build it from there. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, the reality is if you, I guess, think about product development, like you want to develop a product and take it to market, mm. what are your options? Yeah. And, and in reality, there's kind of three, I would say, mm. the, the reality. So one is you do it yourself, right? And you do the whole lot from scratch and bring in your own capability. Yeah. The other option is you do outsource to a company like Procept mm -hmm. and get them to do that development for you. There is kind of a third option, but usually doesn't work so well, which is you might find a product already in existence, source it through, typically through Asia somewhere. Mm. Usually that, I mean, that rarely is going to allow you to differentiate and from a med tech point of view is rarely compliant. So mm. really you're left with those other two options, but it's not, they're not mutually exclusive though, because you might find there's some core development that really is part of your IP and really who your organization represents. Yeah. And you want to own that. And that's how you differentiate your offering. But the stuff that you don't differentiate in terms of product development, that's the sort of thing that often makes sense to outsource. Yeah. It also avoids the need to build up a significant development team if your organization isn't there for product development. It's mm. there really to deliver some service or offering to a market yeah. rather than do product development. And good having something locally here too as well, that seems really important too. You know, the golden question often for people is then the cost. So I'm not sure it's Googleable, but you know, like what are the kind of costs <laughs> and the budgets that people, you know, need to put away for these types of things? So if we're talking med tech, you know, let's be honest, it's not cheap, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day to meet compliance and the overheads associated with med tech, it's, you know, half a million to a million dollars for your most simple medical device yeah. in terms of product development. And you need to keep in mind, if you're an organization starting out and you're trying to create, set your budget, you know, the product development and design services, let's say you're outsourcing it is only one part of the picture, whether you're mm. doing it in-house or outsourcing, it doesn't really make a big difference, I don't think, in terms of that. But then you've got to think, if you're dealing with physical products, you've got to think and consider, you know, your manufacturing costs and inventory and all of those sorts of things, yeah. not to mention sales and marketing and any other function that your organization is going to need. So I don't think this is a big surprise to people, but 
you need to be prepared and be realistic about how much it's going to cost because when you're, particularly if you're having to source funds externally, what you don't want to do and where we've seen, you know, people get caught out from time to time is you don't get enough money initially to actually get to a certain point, a certain milestone, let's say, mm. and you have to go back out again yeah. and back out again and that's really uncomfortable and takes up a lot of time. So mm. you really need a good plan and a good budget as part of a good plan. Yeah. It does take away from, it's two very different vehicles to drive, isn't it? Especially for founders, one in terms of raising funds and the investment side and then the actual focus on the product and, you know, to be constantly sure. doing both. I guess that's always a struggle. But like, what are the common ways that you find that organizations and the companies find this money then? And what have you found that's most successful? Uh, I don't think there's a single thing that's been most successful. I think it depends on the nature of each organization. So obviously yeah. larger corporates, they probably have their own internal sources of funding and their own internal processes, if you like, for getting that funding and sure. being, getting approval. So that's obviously one thing. For your earlier stage businesses, the first thing is probably any sort of incubator startup program that exists. They often assist both financially and in terms of networks. So mm -hmm. a good example is the MedTech Actuator that's yep. that's based here in Melbourne. Good friends. Uh, and yep. yeah, and we've been part of that program for many years now mm. and think it's a really great way to both for us to support these startups and so on. Yeah. But then obviously there are your more traditional sources of funding. So, you know, VCs and business angels and then there's government grants and support. Yep. And that ranges from the R&D tax incentive program through to, you know, various grants and commercialisation programs that are offered by the government, both state and federal. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course, we love to showcase our members. So when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members. It's literally the heart of everything we do. So consider joining as a THT Plus member. You can join anytime online. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT Plus. And just with the MedTech Actuator as an example, the, the part sure. that you assist with that, what's your kind of role within that? Where do you help with? So we've been one of the product development or PD companies mm -hmm. that support the program. Yep. And in that role, the most significant thing we do is we do mentoring for the mm. individual teams as they're coming through the program. And that's really giving them insights because usually they come in with a whole bunch of expertise. Often they've come from, the majority have come from universities. Mm and they come with certain knowledge and expertise, maybe from a technical viewpoint in terms of what they're trying to bring to market. Yeah. But then they may or may not have any experience, and often they don't, in terms of actual product development and mm. taking something to market. 
some of the other organisations that offer mentoring also offer, for example, intellectual property expertise and various things. So really what it does and the role we play is help fill those gaps in mm. terms of expertise and give them a better chance and help to accelerate that process. Yeah. And so doing product development for medical devices, compliance is a big issue and one that you've sure. got to be well across. Talk to me about the compliance side and so, like trying to unpack some of the complexities there that might be overwhelming for those that could just be starting. Yeah, so first of all, maybe going back a step, like when we first started Procept and got involved in medtech, at that point in time, there wasn't so much regulatory <laughs> overhead. <laughs> and it certainly changed a lot over the years. I think our first medical device was back in 2007, 2008, something like that. So it certainly changed over the time. So the key standard that people will have heard about is ISO 13485, mm -hmm. which is a standard that we are certified against and various other organisations are certified against. That's basically what you need to be involved in medtech and you define your scope. So that's under that umbrella, you define the scope. So 13485 has a broad scope, defines a quality management system. Our scope, at least, is primarily focused on the development of medical devices. Mm -hmm. So that includes both hardware development and software development. And then there are substandards that relate to that. So I think the most important thing is to get some regulatory advice and a consultant involved. If you've never gone through this before, if your organisation doesn't have that expertise, yeah. you need to get some advice and support on that. So our certification allows us to do development of medical devices, but if you're bringing that product to market, then you'll need your own certification. Yeah. So that's part of that whole regulatory landscape. Got it, got it. You know, there's other challenges and risks and things to overcome for those that are creating a product. Talk to me about some of the most common ones that might get companies unstuck when they're going through product development in the medtech side? So I, I kind of feel like the issues that people face are kind of irrelevant as to whether it's medtech or not medtech mm. to a large extent. The most fundamental thing about doing product development is working out what you do want to develop and what you don't. And what I mean by that is it's about prioritising what is it you're actually trying to bring to market. And sometimes the hardest decisions are making decisions about what you want to leave out rather than what you want to put in. Yeah. But the most important thing related to that is actually time to market. So how long is it going to take for you to get from that idea through to a realised thing and get it mm -hmm. on onto market? And also acknowledging that you don't have to deliver the perfect product in a single hit. And there's often, I've seen cases where, you know, clients have attempted to do that and it's really hard yeah. and often really painful and it often results in you hitting the market late. Yeah. And that's pretty expensive too. Sure. So I would say that's the most significant thing is about being really clear about what the priority is <coughs> in the product, what it does and doesn't need to do. From my side, I've got a lot of experience in the, I guess, the digital health or, or software side, which has the flexibility to you know, be quite iterative in its approach or you can have multiple releases and versions and updates sure. and things going out. I feel like that's not as easy in device land or if I probably miss something there. I mean, certainly when we're talking about, you know, hardware, physical hardware products, yeah. Yeah. of course, you've got production, manufacturing, validation of production lines, compliance mm. aspects associated with all of that. And because we're talking about physical products and sourcing components and doing all of that sort of thing, sure, there's extra... Yeah. impact if you go and make a change yeah which i mean for what it's worth of course is quite a significant issue right at the moment with part shortages and mm. but you know whether it's software or hardware in a medical device there's a lot in terms of design control and compliance and control of actually what you're putting out into the market so even if we're talking for example we did a wireless tens device 
that has a mobile app to control it. And that mobile app is still part of that medical device portfolio. So it still yeah. has regulatory oversight and fits within that. So even within software, you've got to manage, you know, testing, compliance, release. That so was on. going to be my next question as well. You know, in that time, because you've got a lot of experience in this space, no doubt software has become an increasingly important aspect of a device and as software becomes part of the medical device, is that sure. part of the complexity? Has that just added to the complexity of this space or made it more exciting? What is it? Has that changed? I mean, obviously, if we're talking about the medical device and if you like the scope of it becoming mm. larger and covering more and more complex software, then absolutely, because the regulatory environment says basically we have to develop the software under a certain framework that's fundamentally driven by reducing risk. And it's all about reducing the risk of harm, right? Mm. So when we talk about medical device, we talk about the risk classification of the software. So that's part of the process. Mm -hmm. There's a specific standard that we follow that actually dictates that. So the larger the scope of software is, the more complex you yeah. make that compliance pathway. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't create separation and try to draw a boundary around it. So mm. that's what we often have to do. Yeah. But of course, it's more than just risk of harm. For example, of you know, if software doesn't do what it's supposed to do that it could mm. cause harm to someone. I mean, harm can take a whole lot of different forms. So obviously dealing with data privacy and management of personal data and so on is a big one, big yep. topic too. Yeah. Any other big challenges or things that people need to put on their radar or the risk registers as they're working through you find most common building a product? Well, maybe to take what I said before, like just the whole issues of component shortages and supply yeah. issues and so on. I mean, it's always been something you've had to manage, but nowhere near to the same extent as we've had to of late. And mm. we expect to have to deal with that for a number of years still. So the whole thing of component obsolescence or just inability to source it, that's become a more significant issue. So it's fair to say in our design work, that's become a more significant percentage of our effort has been about trying to manage that risk as well. Yeah, got it. So what's going to keep you busy for the rest of this year then? What's on the radar for 2022 and beyond? So as a business, I mean, once again, like I said at the start, we work towards a whole range of industries. So mm. we continue to do a fairly significant amount of work across all of those sort of industries, medtech, mining, we've got some defence work and the like. I think the most significant thing that we have noticed, and I'm sure other people are noticing too, is that we've always had development of products which are internet connected, right? It's often been the case, but now basically everything is. Hmm. So for us, that whole aspect is much more than just the device. The device is part of the picture now, hmm. but the whole connectivity aspect of it and all the challenges associated with connectivity sure. are really a big part of it. So for us, in terms of the work we do, that's probably playing a much bigger role than it once did. So. Well, looking forward to hearing more of Procept and following along with the journey. We'll put the details for you in the show notes of this episode and people can check out your listing on the Talking Health Tech website as well. Adrian, appreciate you taking me through the offices and having me here today and joining us on the show. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks, Pete. Been good to have a chat. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.